Welcome to Sundial. I'm Carlos Frias. Guy Michel plays the cello, but he calls himself a DJ and an MC. A DJ because he keeps the party going. He plays his electric cello in all the places he was told classical music didn't fit, like compa festivals and outdoor parties. He calls himself an MC too, because he's not playing in a quiet music hall. He's down in the crowd with his cello, getting low with the ladies in short skirts, making his cello whine like he's Jimi Hendrix. Guy calls himself an improvisational musician. It's a style he learned growing up in Haiti. Teachers tried to make him into a classical cellist when he came to the U.S., but he learned his love of music lies in his own creativity. Guy shares that love. He plays all over South Florida. He performed recently at Vizcaya, and he's a regular at the jam sessions at the Savage Labs in Wynwood. He also teaches musical improvisation. He started a program to teach young students who find it hard to fit into classical orchestras and to musicians looking to find their voices outside the concert hall. Guy Michel, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm actually very excited to be here. <laughs> you know, you, you surprise us, right? Because you, you, we've seen all your work you know, online, we've seen a lot of your music, and you're with your electric cello, but today you came in, you rolled in with that beautiful acoustic cello today. Yeah, because I figured it'd be much easier to set up versus having to bring in the whole equipment, plug it in. This one is just take it out and play. I love it. I love it. And you're going to hit us with some improvisational music today, for sure, right? For sure. So, yeah, yeah. So, I'm really feeling that. Um, so, talk to me about that idea of, like, I love this this dichotomy kind of in your career. You know, when uh, our producers uh, talked with you before, Elisa and, and Leslie, you know, you, you talked about this idea of uh, being brought up, right? Like, trying, trying to be molded into a classical musician. Right. But you rebelled against that, right? Yes. Um, <laughs> crazy enough, I started playing the cello in Haiti. Um, that's and, where you're from. That's your born. And yeah, raised. That's, I was born and raised, mm -hmm. and I actually came here at the age of 13 in high school. Oh, that's tough. I know. That's it was a tough. Talking about talking about culture shock. I mean, like at 13, <laughs> it's tough for those kids to go off to middle school. Like <laughs> middle school itself is hard. You're like coming to a whole other country. Yeah, different. It, 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 when I tell you, when I came here, I didn't know that. I didn't know English. So imagine being a teenager. Wow. And basically, the only thing that I knew was a couple words from Sesame Street and Barney. I was like, uh, "Wow, you were thirteen and you 13. Had, and you didn't speak a word of English." Nope, dude, your your English is amazing. I mean, well, like, I mean, because a lot of people come over to a certain right. age and there's no, uh, you can't turn back that clock. You yeah, know? and like you can always, you know, it's hard to adjust to that new right. thing. What so, was that? What was that like for you? I crazy mean, enough, you adapted. Pretty I adapted well. pretty well, but it's crazy because I I was actually watching. Barney and Sesame Street to learn English. And I was standing in front of a mirror before going to school and then trying to repeat the words. And I told myself that I was going to immerse myself in the culture and kind of like alienate myself from the Haitian community, oh, even though wow. it kind of backlash because I was like, I'm not going to forget Creole. There's no way. This is my mother uh this is my tongue right this is my 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 uh i can't think of the word everything it's your mother it's your mother tongue it's, it's your mother, whole right it's your whole like it shaped your cultural upbringing exactly right? so i'm like there's no way for me to forget creole so why am i gonna come in and basically speak creole to my people i'm trying i'm in a different country i need to learn wow. english so I, I would literally every single day for the first six months 
and try to repeat the words and try to get rid of my 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 accent. Wow. And and how did you do that? Like what words? What did you, was there a certain thing you would recite or would you say like would you introduce yourself? What was your your spiel those mornings? Um, actually, I would introduce myself. Hey, my name is Geek. Good morning. How are you? Like the traditional stuff. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. Kind of like stuff you would need to wow. survive. I would say that over and over. I I would watch different um telenovelas. What I uh oh like uh, like uh, TV soap operas. TV soap operas. Yeah yeah. yeah. Because I watched some telenovelas, and I, that, I, kept, I, that kept my Spanish <laughs> sharp when I was a kid. Crazy enough, we'll, we'll talk about the telenovelas, because I actually, when okay. I started learning Spanish, I got into that as well. But that's well, a whole well, different... Well, what was your soap opera jam? <laughs> what, were, what were you watching? Uh, there's Doce Corazones. Crazy enough, there's a show <laughs> that I used uh, to watch. Our producer, Les, she's clapping in the other room. She likes that. <laughs> Doce Corazones, 12 hearts. I used to watch that, um, but... I would literally stand in front of a mirror every single day and tell myself that I'm, I was going to get rid of my accent within the first year. Wow. So it's interesting because that's like a, it's almost like a throwback thing. Right. Like, you know, back in the day, like, uh, you know, a lot of parents would come from other countries and mm-hmm. they want, they give their kids uh, American <laughs> names and right. they, they're like, you're, you know, you're American now and you kind of forget a yeah. little bit of your cultural connection and that can cause a little bit of friction mm-hmm. was that did you feel any of that or did you quickly like just jump in and I did jumped you- in quickly and um, kind of like like a chameleon I wanted to blend in so I adopted the, the the lifestyle very quickly especially being a teenager you want to fit in you don't want to be teased coming from a different country and obviously girls girls are basically motivation for everything yeah yeah and i'm sure that's there's, there's no smart part of it that you're being a musician and that uh that, that's part of the motivation i wanted to impress the ladies so i was like you know what i'm i need to speak to them if i want to flirt if i want to ask them out i, I need to learn english and how did, did did music play into that at all did music help soften that entryway into like a new culture and a new life um yes and no hmm. um crazy enough i joined a band in in high school because there was no orchestra in north miami so i quickly learned the saxophone just to be able to fit in because there was nothing that i could do musically because really? i grew up in haiti playing um haitian music and african music that's what my teacher taught me so when i came in in here there was nothing f- to continue with these studies because i couldn't find somebody to basically teach me Haitian music and African music. It's like the the genre you were comfortable with. Right. It was the sounds and the mm-hmm. paces and the beats and everything right. that you were comfortable That's with. That's what I liked. That's what I grew up listening to. My dad, basically my whole family is Haitian. So I grew up listening to, obviously, from a different um, uh, generation, but it was still embedded in me to play uh, these, these, these songs. And I love the cello. So I was like... I love the cello, but I want to continue to play the things that I enjoy listening to on the radio. Well, talk to me about that, about growing up, like how musically you were affected growing up in Haiti. You said, were your, were your folks musical? Where did the musicality come <laughs> into your life? Okay, we're going to talk about that. Yeah, everything. So my parents actually met in, at, in their church choir. So Perfect. They both love 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 music they they were they were singers they were singers did they play musical instruments no, also but crazy enough they lived through us because i'm the baby of four uh four and my eldest brother played the piano the second one um played the viola my sister sings opera and plays the violin wow so my dad's favorite instrument um basically was the cello 
And since I was the baby, it was like, nobody else played the cello. So I'm going to... Wow, what an amazing thing. Did your parents encourage that? Then it sounds like they... Yes. Like they maybe even not not pushed you into it, but like kind of steered you. Like Kind of hey, steered me. Yeah. Because we all went through uh, to music school in Haiti. So we all went to study music throughout our entire um, upbringing. And that was a specific plan then, right? Yes. So why was music so important to them? They, I mean, they, you must have talked about it over the years of why they told you that it was important for you to, to play an instrument. Um, because... And 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 um, I think well I think music enhances pe- people's creativity, and especially with with improvisation, mm. I always related to to life skills because I'm also a martial artist. Everything that we do, we we kind of like explain it in a universal way. How um, being creative musically can help you with life in general because you're able to improvise. Uh, through whatever comes your way. That's interesting. So you do martial arts, which is, I guess, is also a lot of improvisation. Like, improvisation. Like whenever you need to use it, you never know what it's going to be exactly. like. I always remember this old Jim Carrey skit <laughs> where he pretends to do, uh, like, uh, he pretends to be a martial artist and he tells the other guy, no, no, you attacked me wrong. Right. And, and like, <laughs> no, there's none not, of that. No, we're supposed to stand this way. and you, Right, no. right. So, so that idea of improvisation, I see that. I see that right. connection between those two things. So you had a really varied upbringing, like in the sense that you were, you were doing martial arts, right. you were doing music. Where, what was your musical, like what was, the, what was the atmosphere of your music? Was your music church? Is that where you found music? Or? Um, it's a combination of church, and just my surroundings, listening to, because in Haiti back then there was no cell phone during the 80s. So we actually had to find creative ways musically and just socially to interact with each other. And obviously with music, there's um, kind of like what we call the drum circle here, kind of like a jam session. Nice. People would just start playing the drums. And then whatever instrument you played in, and you would just jump in and jam out. Where was this? Like, where were you doing this? Was that your house? You go to a friend's house? Or at the park? Like, where were you doing it? Um, my house. Every party, whatever party, whatever um social gathering. Well, especially my parents loved to say, "Oh my, oh my gosh, my kids play this and that." So every time we had fa- uh, friends or a family come over, they would have us play together. That is so funny. You you're like the Jacksons over there. I know, pretty much, pretty much. It felt like that, and I hated it back then. I was like, "Oh my gosh, no!" The cringe, I, the cringe. Because right, I'm like, can, "Can I just play and be a kid?" No, no, no. Grab your instrument because it was so proud to show off their kids, but it actually. Now thinking about it, now that I'm um, older and now that I'm a parent, I do the same thing to to my son because I just bought him a cello, and what it what it was doing is basically um, shaping my improvisational skills because we would just start somebody would just start singing, or my my one of my siblings would start playing, and we would have to just make music on the spot. So, so I was improvising oh, without even knowing what I was doing back then. There's also an element where you like you learn to be comfortable uh, improvising, just talking to people, right? Exactly. Because like you're like a lot of your music, you you record your your events and things on mm-hmm. Instagram, pretty much. And you're like sometimes like at a at an outdoor event, at a wedding, at a yeah. party or whatever, and you have your uplight, your upright. Uh, uh, electric cello mm-hmm. kind of strapped to you yeah. and you're going up to people and you're dancing and people yeah. are getting low and they're the, everybody's jamming to it. You're like Pretty you're much. moving be, you're interacting with them yeah. rather than being separate on right. a stage. That's a whole different that's a whole skill. Yeah cause, um, cause my thing is I didn't want to just be up there for people to just hey clap because I think yeah you could be a, the greatest musician if you don't if you don't leave the audience with a great feeling 
they may clap for you, but two sec- the minute they get in, get in that car, they'll forget about you. Hmm. So once you have, once you give them that feeling, even if it's nothing creative, crazy, technically, you could just play two notes, but they go back in their car and start humming. Guess what? They're going to remember you. Oh my gosh, I remember this guy who's dancing and plays, play, nah, nah, nah. and then guess what? There's an event. I remember this guy. You should get him. Yada, yada, yada. So my focus was not just, hey, guys, look at what I'm able to do. But how can we connect? Even a conversation. If I talk and then I say beautiful words, but we we don't connect. So are you going to remember me? No. But if we talk about stuff that you like and stuff that I like, we connect, we bond in that way. Guess what? You don't remember me. Our guest today is the musician Guy Michel. He's a Haitian musician and educator who brings the cello and the party to unexpected places in South Florida. And Guy, I think what uh, what's so interesting is that so much of your music is improvised, Basically. you know. And uh, and you, it's you. And right now you have your cello, you got your bow, and you have your laptop in I front have of my us. Laptop in front of me. And I have a feeling that you're ready to give us an example of what we're talking about. For today. sure. So hit us with it. So. Um, Haitian music is could be cat- categorized in different genres. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people who don't know any um, really the the depth can associate it with just compa, right? But there is um, so many different things. There is there is even stuff related to um, merengue, salsa, soca, um, even some dance music, I even some kind of like uh, carnival stuff, right? Because all the Caribbean talks to each other, pretty much, right? They're very similar. So I'm gonna play a, a song that is kind of like zouk which is kind of like the romantic version of compa so it's very laid back and yeah let me just play it and give michelle hitting us with the music (laughs) all right Thank you. 
has a little preview. Ladies and gentlemen, Guy Michel on Thank the cello. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, 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 I read it on your face. Like, as you get into it and as you're playing, I see, like, the expression, the movement, the emotion. Like, whatever you're feeling, I'm seeing it played through. And I'm sure people respond to that, right? Right. Um, Because I'm like, imagine talking and then it sounds very monotone. Hey, I'm excited. Can you tell by my voice? <laughs> Versus you in, in, engaging in what you're saying. So I see see the same thing because music is the the cello is my my voice my words so I express myself through my instrument so I don't want to just stay here and but I'm not looking around like and that's the difference between being like performing like performing. on a stage separate mm-hmm. you know twenty feet between you and an audience right and being down in there with down them. in there with them because you are talking this is our conversation together. And oh, I'm I talking to you, you're talking back to me by your reaction to what I'm saying. So it's not just me. It's not a, di- it's not a monologue. It's, it becomes a dialogue. We're conversing. So I it, love that. it's different. Talk to me a little bit about um, moving from that, right? I mean, you, you physically moved yeah. to this country. And is it, the, is it the first time when you come here? You, you now live in Boca, but you were, started, you were down in Miami to begin with. Down in Miami, with. mm-hmm. Um, so shout out to Boca, shout out shout to our out Palm, to Beach, our Palm yeah. Beach audience. <laughs> Talk to me about what it was like um, when, you know, you enter musical education here and then, you know, the structure, a different kind of structure tra- starts to answer the, <sighs> the conversation. I struggled because I could not express myself the way that I wanted to. Hmm. Um, and I was told that I was being rebellious and because I think I was misunderstood I can feel. I feel like that's like a cultural thing, right? Right. Like it was. Uh, you landed into a place that didn't necessarily get what your background was. Right. So I told um, my teachers that uh, that I wanted to play the stuff that I enjoyed. I I love the cello, but I don't want to play what you're telling me. So I couldn't relate. So and they took it as me being lazy and not wanting to progress. I think they just didn't take the time to listen to 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 me. So had they taken the time to really listen to what I wanted, I think it would have di- been a different outcome because I actually quit playing the cello for like two years. Oh, you gave it up all I together. gave it up. This thing that brings so Man. much emotion to your mm-hmm. physical and I your nature. You gave it up. I wanted nothing to do with the cello. Wow. <laughs> what is it just because they put so many different constraints on it that they just took the fun away, I guess? Yeah, they took the fun away because now it became more like, oh my gosh, you have to play this. You have to do this. You have to versus, okay, can you just teach me the instrument and then allow me to, to use that knowledge into whatever I want? Mm. I don't care if it's bluegrass. I don't care if it's country. I don't care. Mm. So that's what created a passion for me to to teach the way that I teach now because it's not about me. My thing is to be a facilitator. Mm. So kids come up to me, they want to play uh, uh, Black Sabbath. Don't know anything about that. But they they tell me, hey, I want to l- learn this song by X, Y, and Z. They play for me. I listen to it. Okay, now, what do you hear? I hear this boom, 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 boom. F sharp. F sharp is the same. Doesn't matter what genre you're in. So you hear these two notes. What do they mean? So now I start explaining music to them. 
So now, guess what happens? Now they're so interested to learn the song that they love. They go home and practice because they want to show, especially kids, mommy, mommy, I'm able to do this. Versus you going home and have to force them to practice. That's why a lot of them, we hear it all the time. I used to play such and such in elementary school. What are you doing now? I gave it up because they either were not interested or they had a boring teacher. It sounds like you never had that experience growing up. Like you were, you always, you always were able to go home and kind of. Uh, I loved it. Yeah. Talk to me about those two years where you gave it up because I'm curious. I'm curious what you did during those two years. What? How about more or less? How old were you? And what were you? Like, um, what did you replace that with in your life? It was more towards my um, college years where I just focused on personal training and martial arts. I mean, I still practice martial arts now, but I was like, you know what? Let me just focus on something else where I'm not going to be, I can express myself the way that I want. Because take me through, like, what were you, what did it look like? Like, what were the opportunities that you were getting to play that weren't weren't satisfying? Was it to play like an orchestra type of thing? So orchestra was the only thing that I, that was available to me. Mm. And... I'm not. I'm not knocking it down, but it's just not for me. It's not. It wasn't your. It just it was, wasn't your thing. It wasn't my thing. Right. But that was my only option. So therefore, I was like, I might as well just quit altogether because if that's the only way that I get to play the cello, which I doesn't, you know, um, cater to me, then what's the point? And you mentioned that at one point you picked up the sax. Yeah, I picked up the sax when you were what, like high school age or no, something? no. Actually, um, I started. I started in high school, but it was brief. Brief. I didn't really know what I was doing, but it was not until my first year of college. They were give, giving away free scholarship. Where were you going? Where did you go to school? FIU. Okay. So um, the marching band was going to be the very first year ever, and they needed people, and they were giving away money. So and I no, was like, no cello in the marching no band. No cello in the marching band. So I was like, how can I earn some money? So I actually grabbed myself a saxophone. I went to YouTube, YouTube University. Oh, man, you're talking to me. You're, you're talking right to my heart because I am a graduate of YouTube University YouTube when it comes University, to audio engineering. I went down. I was like, I started playing, and I auditioned and made it. So you taught yourself yes. the saxophone basically in a short, amu- in, in a short amount of time, mm-hmm. and it was good enough, to, was get good enough into, to get you into college. Right. That is amazing. Because I had the knowledge. So the only thing I had to do was learn the instrument because everything else is the same. The notes don't change. It just now instead of applying it on a cello, I applied it on a on a saxophone. So it was very easy for me to learn. All I had to do was learn how to, you know, use the instrument. How to physically how to use physically the... use it. And but that's no small feat. That's right. no small task. And so that got you in a FIU. So then you were in marching band. I was in marching band. And that I is... played it. I played throughout my entire <laughs> Years of college. And were you still playing the cello? Like, what was the cello like the in The cello was, again, it was like my only thing to start. Because I wanted to pursue music full time. So that became your job. That and you became would, my job. And you, be, and you came home, like most kids will play video games or whatever. Yeah. You came home and played the cello as your Pretty distraction. Much. Yeah. So, but but the love was, the love still wasn't there. Mm. Um, because that's that was my only option. And I hated it. And... It, it reflected in my almost in my grades musically because um, actually only getting C's C's and I was last year in an orchestra because I was not interested I was there physically but mentally I was doing God knows what so my professor took it as hey he just not he just doesn't care about he music. just doesn't care about music he's wow. talented 
and back then I was um, actually double majoring in, in engineering. Oh, so I was told my, that's a handful. I know. Might as well yeah, give up music and go study engineering. What What was your family saying at the time? Because they they were all musical. They are all right. musical too, right? And mm-hmm. what was that conversation like? Like, did you, especially your brothers and sisters, who yeah. who, who you know who gave so much of themselves to music too? I actually <laughs> kept it from from my parents. Wow, man. So I just went through the went through the motion, and because I think it was it was important to based on all the sacrifices for me to to be like oh my gosh I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give up college so that would have been a very uh, a hard blow mm. so I just stayed the course but I really really hated it so I mean you go through this period where I right. mean, you give up your you give up your instrument you go through two years after graduation where you just don't even touch the cello anymore yeah what brought you back to it uh I think my church, they just um, started playing at the church, and I started going to open mics. Where, where, what church? Where do, where did you attend? It, it's El Shaddai. Uh, it's a Haitian church. When I first moved in mm-hmm. um, to to the state, that I started going, and basically it's one of those things like there's no sheet music. People start singing, and you just play along. Did that remind you of yes. like how you how you first right. were introduced to music? Then that's what sparked the passion again. You remembered. I remembered all the good times that I was having. So um, I started playing in that, and obviously now I connected with some people in the gospel music community that um, ignited that passion again. So I started going to to different open mics. But crazy enough, I lost my improvisational skills because Mm -hmm. it was years after... I came to the state, I was I would say like 10 years with not improvising. So you don't you don't use it, you lose it. Right. And that and that's interesting because like what you're talking about is a scenario where if you're not playing with sheet music and other musicians, right. you have to you have to know when to bring your music in, when to right. come out, right? And all that is improvisation. Improvisation. So though so unwilling you started you started getting this education yourself. Yeah, pretty much. So what hap- what ended up happening was um, I came in, I was like, oh my gosh, I have a music degree. So I came in very arrogant mm. and then these guys would just started playing. I was like, feel the music. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I knew what, I knew what they were telling me, but the fact that I haven't done it in so long, it was foreign to me. It's like learning how to dance if you yeah, never basically. danced before. You had to follow, you're like, you had to, <laughs> You know, follow the steps, and you're like, I, yeah. I don't know how to do that. And all these guys are like not formally educated, but they they were communicating to each other. Mm. And then me, I'm just sitting here like uh, solo. And it, you know, jam session, everybody gets a solo, and I'm sitting here like solo time, and then I'm on the cello like. Uh. When, when was there a moment? When was the moment? Do you think, or the moments where it started to click, where you had one performance or one solo or one thing that it really it pushed you forward? Oh, uh, it was actually my first um, event as, because in 2008, I decided to pursue cello full-time, like cold turkey. Wow. Yeah, quit my job. It was like, I'm going to do this. What were you doing at the time? Teacher. A teacher at like, mm-hmm. uh, what, elementary, high middle school. school, high school? school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, what were you teaching? Music education? Music education. And so, it was it one of those things like you decided, I need to focus on yeah. this full-time? Full-time. Wow. Just, so, how did you, what was that period like? Scary, because 
it was unknown back then to basically uh, do this full time. Right. So my parents like were livid. Oh my gosh, she's gonna quit. Uh, they lost their minds. Right. What were your parents? Uh, give me give me a, an idea of what their <laughs> what their lives were like here. So um, my my dad came and retired. So my mom basically they were they came in older. Oh, I so see. So they didn't really work as much because mm-hmm. they already did all the stuff in Haiti. Right. So they're like, oh my gosh, we didn't come here. Ah, they lost their minds. You, I have no idea. Because back then, my, my brother already came, a doctor, and everybody else, oh my gosh, you see, you see. Be like your brother. Be like my brother. Oh you man, that's that? so much pressure. I know, because I'm like, oh my gosh. But but I knew in my, in, deep down inside, I wanted to at least try. Right. Because I, I would hate to be like, oh my gosh, I should have. And so you so you take it upon yourself and you start down this career. Mm-hmm. When did it, when did you talk to me about those moments where you're like, I, I I'm doing it. I'm doing I'm doing the thing. I'm paying my rent. I'm paying my <laughs> bills. I'm I'm doing something that that fuels me. Um, it was not until recently. Well, I would say recently, a couple of years back, maybe four years ago, when mm-hmm. people started calling me. And I'm like, now I'm able to pay my bills. Now I'm able to do this. This is actually a living. I actually ended up getting more than what I was getting full time. Wow. I was like, oh my gosh, there's a path. Wow, because that's, that's the scariest thing is to take a jump. Was there right. a period where you were, you were having to do two things? Was it, I mean, imagine it must mm-hmm. have been a struggle for a time. Yeah, there, there are times where I doubted the decision. Yeah. And I, I, I went home crying. Like, oh my gosh, am I stupid? What would happen that what kind of things would happen that would make you think like I don't um, know if well, this no is money. Gonna, yeah. Nobody would call me for gigs because I was new in the in the field. So I didn't have the connections. I didn't know where to go. I didn't know how to I was just lost. So I was like, Oh my gosh, maybe I should go back to being comfortable and you know, I still have my teaching degree. Might right. as well go back. Because right. that's a safe bet. But I but I've I've always been somebody who would call myself a risk taker. Hmm. I'd rather try and then be like, yeah, whatever, it didn't work out. Was there, talk to me about the moment where you were like, okay, I got this. Like, I do feel like, was there a gig? Was it Was it a moment? Was it a conversation? Some, you know, those things that really made you believe that, no, I'm, I have to give this my full. Oh. I've done, I've, something has happened here that right. I have to give this my full attention. So it was um this, this, I always talk about it. Um, People who know me, sorry, you're gonna hear the story again. <laughs> it's due to us, man. That's fine. <laughs> so, um, I was invited to this um, art gallery, and it was with a poet. And we, he started uh, doing his poetry, and I was in the background jamming, vibing. And um, after after the fact, people were like, "Oh my gosh, I've never seen this." Yada yada yada. I'm doing this event in whatever months. I would love for you to perform. And then phone call two weeks later. I'm having this event. I was like, "Oh, I'm on to something." And what was that performance like with you and the poet? It was it kind of like you were talking about that yeah, conversation. The between- conversation. He started doing this thing, and I, I I try to understand the mood, the setting, and I try to recreate that with the cello. So as he was speaking, I was listening to his words and try to give the audience the feeling of what he was saying. So. So that really unlocked something in you, and that ability of what uh, it's almost like inter- like almost like interpretive dance, like interpretive Basically. music from what you were hearing in his words. Yeah. Our guest today is the musician Guy Michel. He's an improvisational cellist, and to know what that means, all you got to do is listen 
to this. Loving it. Guy Michel on the cello, giving us some improvised music. You know, I'm, um, uh, talk to me a little bit about the background beats, like, because uh, it's you and you and you're and you're using music kind of as, uh, yes. using some background tracks. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about that, about building, getting that connection, finding the right songs, finding the right musicians to work with. So, um, I always like to, to find, uh, different kind of beats, whether it's popular music or just random beats that I, Cause it's how I practice actually, so a lot of times I just put put up uh, random beats and start to see what ideas come to mind. Well, so much of that is like is like you know even the origins of hip hop, right? Is yeah. like is like taking someone like taking a beat, mm-hmm. taking a sample, and like adding your own yeah basically your own interpretation on mm-hmm. it. Because um, my thing is, even if I play the same song three times, I like you to have three different experiences. Nice. So. I never want to just play the same song because if you come to to one of my shows today and you want to come to another event next week, you don't want to hear the same thing. You want to have a different experience, even when I'm playing the same background. Right. So that's the interest in it. (laughs) Well, you know, this kind of leads me down this thing is like this path of, you know, you've learned so much of finding your artistic creativity in improvisation. Talk to me about teaching that because recently you started a music improvisation mm-hmm. education program yeah so that you must have you taken from your own life and said there's got to be other kids that that have that same thing that express themselves through an right. instrument through song but don't fit the model of being on in the orchestra crazy enough um i actually still teach the kid to this day um he went through the same thing that i went through um because i think he, his parents reached out to me because he gave up he was on the verge of giving up cello altogether. kind of like the same exact thing that i went through wow so um he, they discovered me through a friend of a friend i went to school with and they he loves hip-hop like hip-hop to the day he dies so but he could find somebody to teach him that 
So he was like, shoot, he's going to quit. So when I came in the picture, I basically saw myself in him. We started playing improvisation. I started teaching him how to play the cello, kind of like the same stuff that I believe in, um, to add some creativity to your music. doesn't matter what genre you choose to. If you want to play classical, fine. If you want to play bluegrass, fine. I don't really care. How did how did you unlock that in him? Uh, and and so then speaking to other students, like right. like you know the thing that it was for you. What are the things that you try to teach to unlock that in someone and, and letting them embrace that? So my goal is to to be a bridge. Mm-hmm. It's not about me. It's not about what I want. I'm gonna give you my. I'm gonna teach you based on my experience and my knowledge in music, mm-hmm. to give you what you want. So I actually try to listen to their needs because I'm not the one playing the instrument. I like what I like. So he came up to me with the intent of learning the cello to play hip hop. Like what? Give me what kind of song? He loves Future, like the the Travis Scott, like stuff kids listen to now. He want to be able to play it. And what is that like for you to work with with people who are young and are have a maybe a totally different genre that you might be into? Does that does that feed you? Does that feed your own? Actually, it feeds me because I'm like that's something new to me. Hmm. So. Um, Especially if you want to kind of like, as a musician, stay relevant. Mm. You don't want to play stuff back in the 60s for people who are in their 20s. Right. Because it'll go over their head. Yeah. So the idea is to connect with whoever you're performing for. So when these young kids come up to me and introduce me to new artists, guess what? I'm taking notes. Hey. Oh, that's interesting. So this is a new artist. In case I'm in uh, an audience with your age range, I can connect so I don't want to be like, oh my gosh, it's me. Because if I if I not connecting with them, guess what? They're not gonna call me. They're not gonna be interested. That's interesting. So when I perform for like kids their age range, I play those songs. They're like, oh my gosh, you could do that. I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like what? What is it? Something that you played that just kind of like that lit up a room or surprised people? You so think that? I I went in uh, before I had my electric cello. I was um asked to um at a career day, hmm. and I brought in my acoustic. And then I started playing Future, Mask Off. Oh, whoa. The kids, lo- we had to, basically we had to stop because the kids got so rowdy that we had, okay, pause, pause. Yeah, oh my gosh. Ah. And it was just you and your cello. Did you have any background music? I had a background. I so that's you. what made it even worse because they're uh-huh. like, they, they heard the intro. The intro, you cannot miss Mask Off. They started vibing they immediately. They started vibing immediately. It's like, oh my gosh, I didn't know you could do that. And I was like, yeah, why not? So they, they, they were so happy. That I was able to do it. But crazy enough, um, going back to the student mm-hmm. that I started teaching, that's actually what sparked my interest in teaching. Because I'm like, if there he is like that, how many more can't connect, can't relate to what they're being offered? Can I bridge the gap? So the latest news, accomplishment, he was just admitted to Berkeley. Wow. I know. That's amazing. The Berkeley School of Music, yep. or, or Berkeley School of Music, amazing. I mean, so many, expected. so many great musicians have, have mm-hmm. gone through that program in uh, Massachusetts, right? I'm yeah. Uh huh. So, so from what did they quit? From for me, that was validation wow. to what I created, because um, in I don't think there's anything. Well, there are a lot of guys now from um, Christian House. I'm, I think I'm pronouncing his name right. He's kind of like doing the same thing with his um, program called Creative um, Creative Strings, hmm. where he teaches people to improvise as well. So there's a few of us out there that are coming out with that improvisation um, 
uh, way. Right, like that ethic, right, mm -hmm. where, where it doesn't have to be just... It doesn't uh, have to be just... We teach you how to be creative so you can apply it to whatever genre that you like. If you like jazz, use that creativity. If you like bluegrass, use whatever creativity in your music to speak your voice. So there's no limitation. So we give you the tools so you can use them to in whatever field your heart desires. So this will spark the performing arts institute that I'm actually creating now that I'm using to teach um, musicians doesn't matter old or young I actually have a 71 year old um, cellist that, that I started teaching come on because she loves folk music and I'm I have no idea about that and she she was previously already playing cello or, you, or she was getting to music she altogether she started um, learning but she couldn't find somebody that was could teach her the stuff that she liked so she found me on Facebook. She reached out to me. She's like, oh, my gosh, I see what you're doing, and I like your approach. I'm, I'm very much into folk music, and I would love for you to be my teacher. I was like, why not? Amazing, amazing. So I'm curious how that's translated into your own family. I, I've seen videos of you with your own <laughs> young son. I mean, he looks his he's sitting on a chair, and his feet don't touch the ground. Yeah, no. But he's playing a cello also, yeah. right? So we I just got him a cello for Christmas. Shout out to Bar Barnes Violin, the best cello place okay, in okay. Boca. <laughs> <laughs> What's your son's name? Uh, Jason. Jason. So tell me about that. So picking um, out a cello with your son, how exciting, right? I, it almost made me teary, um, because I want him to love music. Hopefully, I'm not gonna pressure him, mm -hmm. but I want him to enjoy, even if he doesn't do that for a living. But I just want him to have the that kind of like. Uh, brain. Yeah, like turn on that part of his turn brain. Turn on that right? part of his brain. Mm -hmm. He can use that creativity to whatever field he desires. Hopefully cello. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I he loves like the YouTube songs, Baby Shark and whatever else. <laughs> so, that. instead of being like, sit down, play the cello, I was like, can, do you want to play um, Baby Shark, whatever songs he's, he likes, Scary Flying Shark. So, there's a song on YouTube, Scary Flying Shark. So, I was like, okay, you're going to play Scary Flying Shark. I don't care about the position. The the idea for him to enjoy the music right now, enjoy the cello. Was there a moment that you saw that, where that, because, I mean, your parents must have seen it in you, where the yeah. music lights up something in them, you know, where they want to touch the string or they want to mm -hmm. make their own music. Can you talk to me about, like, those moments as <laughs> seeing it so close to your own heart, you know? So, um, I we I just love playing um, uh, music at the house, even when he, when it was um my, my my wife was still pregnant, mm -hmm. I would play like Haitian music, different genres for him to just hear it. And then the minute he was born, like maybe one and a half or two, then he started like singing in, in his own way. But I would play the cello sometime for him as he was going to sleep. Not I wish I would do it every day, but um, sometimes I would just play the cello just to put him to sleep to make him feel good and play the stuff that he was watching mm. and I guess subconsciously it um, resonated now that he's older so he saw the cello oh I remember daddy because he's like daddy's cello the big cello now I have Jason's cello this so, little tiny cello this little tiny cello <laughs> which I didn't even know it came that small <laughs> you're like is this a violin what am I looking I know. at here so <laughs> Does it, has it taught you, what has it taught you about, um, you know, what's important when it comes to, to the education of music and, you know, the, the performance of music? Right. Um, it's all about listening to what your students are saying, hmm. because you, it's not about you, 
when you are teaching, you have to listen to what they want and provide exactly what they want. Because if you come in and tell them, hey, you have to learn X, Y, and Z, you're not listening to what they want. They didn't tell you they want to learn X, Y, Z. They, tell, they told you they want to learn what whoever it is. So can you bridge the gap and teach them the instrument and make them fall in love with it by playing the stuff they like? They told you in the first place that's their musical genres. So if I think, I'm not saying that everybody would just be professional musicians, but at least whatever profession you decided to go into, you would still have the love for whatever instrument, even as a hobby, just as a therapeutic, uh, therapeutic, yeah, like uh, a therapeutic outlet. Like Therapeut- sure, I couldn't yeah. think of that word. I got you. Good. Don't worry, we got you. Here, <laughs> good man. save. Good save. I was like, a oh, therapeutic. <laughs> so even even as that, um, people still play their instrument because we hear it a, lo- a lot. Hey, I saw the play. I was I used to play the, the the violin, whatever, in elementary, but I gave up. I used to play this and this and that, but I gave up. I stopped playing. I wish I had somebody that was like you or whoever is catering to their need then i would have kept up with the with the instrument so listen as a teacher your first job is to listen to whoever's need somebody come up to me uh, i have a student that want to learn chinese music no idea you had to go learn some i had to go learn i was like tell me, bring me some artists that you like i listen to it come back come back the the next lesson hey what do you hear? So I find a way to bridge the gap to still teach within the stuff that they like. Can you hear it? Do you hear the note? What do what do these notes represent? Then I find a, a way to still give them the education with stuff they like so they can go home and really uh, be independent in, in their studying because they're going to look forward to learning stuff they love. Guess what? You're not going to have a problem with Johnny. Little, Hey, my, my little Johnny is not practicing. Because it's not that he doesn't want to practice. He's just tuned out. He's not interested in what you're offering. If you give them something they they enjoyed playing, the chances of them practicing would be 500%. Guy, tell us where the folks can find out more about you and your music. Uh, you can find me on every social platform, Guy Michel Music. But it's spelled like Guy, G-U-Y, Guy Michel Music. You can find the, the 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 my website is gimmichellemusic.com. And you can find it on, on Instagram at gimmichellemusic, right? That's right. Gee, how about you play us out as I read these? Uh, you feeling like if I read these credits, play us out and we'll, for we'll sure, go for forego, sure, for sure. We'll forego uh, Palo's wonderful music, the <laughs> Afro Cuban <laughs> funk band Palo. Um, and uh, and we'll we'll just hear a little bit of your improvised music as we should close it down. This is Guy Michel. Guy Michel uh, is a Haitian musician and educator who brings the cello to the party and to unexpected places in South Florida. Find more information about him at Guy Michel Music. And that's Sundown for Tuesday, January 23rd. Leslie Obay Atkinson is our lead producer. Our producer is Elisa Baena. Sergio Bustos is WLRN's VP of News. And Katie Munoz is our director of live programming. Peter J. Merch is WLRN's VP of Radio, and our engineer is Richard Ives. He's got his hands full today. Our theme music is usually by the Miami Afro-Cuban funk band Palo at GoPalo.com. Coming up tomorrow on the program, the local music duo Afro-Beta has performed in some of the biggest music festivals around the world. They're performing next weekend at EatsCon Miami Food Festival. I'm Carlos Frias. 
Good vibes only. Beep.